<laughs> y'all ready? ready what's up y'all jonathan wiseman here and today we have an amazing guest we have gentry kelly with gentry kelly cosmetics how are you doing today gentry doing fantastic you pretty much become a local celebrity in here in houston oh i like that i paid yeah. him to say that <laughs> make me look better <laughs> so you're a new mom you started your business i read something that said you pretty much started your business out of the trunk out of the trunk of my car that is correct trunk of your car at home depot and now you're at (laughs) at several hundred products online yeah we have about 250 uh skews in the brand wow oh my god and now we're actually carrying other brands inside of my salon all right cool well gentry kelly thanks for coming on the show how are you doing today Thanks for having me. Yay. I got my lovely wife here, Miss Laura Wiseman, who's going to help me get through this podcast. (laughs) And she's going to know a lot more about the makeup side of things. And so I wanted to have her here on the show today to get through this. Uh, But I want to start with where Gentry Kelly Cosmetics started. If you can give us a little details on the backstory of your business, your journey, and how you got started, where the ideas came from. 3333 Westland, that's where I started. Slinging makeup out of the trunk of my car. At the Home Depot, literally. Wow. (laughs) Um, I had been a makeup artist when I started for about 11 years professionally, about maybe 16, 14, 16 years since my very first makeup class. And uh, I worked for Neiman Marcus, and during the recession, I was able to run positive numbers on the team that I built at Laura Mercier. So I said, why am I making them millions of dollars when I can make myself millions Mm -hmm. of dollars? So I had kind of played with the idea of starting a makeup line, you know, maybe three or four years prior to that. And it just was too expensive. And I was like, you know what? I can't really do this. I knew it was going to cost millions of dollars to do it. So I guess I left Neiman's in January 2011. I was overworking retail. They gave me a hard time about, you know, taking off for my sister's wedding and my best friend's wedding. They said, well, she should have planned her wedding around our free gift time. (laughs) You know what? I'm over it. I'm I'm tired of coming back here and begging and getting all torn up and crying in the food court because I couldn't go to my sister's wedding. You know, I was like, I'm over it. I'm leaving. So I um, launched my wedding website and booked $3,000 worth of work the first day. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. I had to turn down weddings because I had to work every Saturday at Neiman. So now I was able to make in one day what I made in a whole week standing Mm -hmm. on my feet at a department store. So along the way, customers started saying, well, are you not at Neiman's anymore? How am I supposed to pick out new colors? And I was like, I'll just come to your house, 200 bucks. I'll come to your house. I'll dig through your drawers, show you what to buy. I'll bring my kit that had like Chanel and Laura Mercier and Bobby Brown. And then I'll go to the store for you, buy it, and bring it to you. So just like a personalized wardrobing of makeup yeah, instead of clothing. a makeup stylist. Exactly. Yeah. And so someone along the way said to me, why don't you have your own makeup line? I was like, it's too expensive. And he's like, well, how much is it? And I was like, I don't know, a lot of money. I looked into it. It's going to be millions of dollars for me to do it. And he goes, well, how do all these other little makeup artists do it? I mean, they don't have millions of dollars. And I said, I don't know. He goes, well, let's just Google it. So we Googled it. And the very first thing that came up was the place where I knew Bobby Brown had started, which Mm -hmm. is the woman I worked for for eight years at Neiman's. And so I said, okay, let's call him. So I called him and I said, I want to start a makeup line. (laughs) (laughs) Just like every motherfucker that calls (laughs) 15 times a day. Right. And she said, well, we're going to be in Soho doing an open house if you want to come talk to us. I was living in some rat hole, shithole apartment off of Timmins. They tore it down. It's not even there anymore. <laughs> Cars on blocks. When I came home, it was like ghetto, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to save all my money. I was doing freelance makeup artistry and, and you know, going to people's homes. I didn't have like a, a steady paying job and didn't have any money saved up. Right. I was literally down to like two grand in my account. And so um, a friend and I went to New York and I've spent all my money on the last minute plane ticket and a hotel room. And I said, you know what? If I work as hard for myself as I did for Neiman's, mm-hmm. I'll make myself millions of dollars instead Correct. of making them millions of dollars. I can do this. Sure. So I started the line. I spent like eight, nine hours there. Started the line um, with just like the basics, lipsticks, liners, and glosses, because I knew that I could sell that to my brides. They were always asking for stuff to buy for touch-ups. So I, uh, at the end of the eight, eight, nine hours, I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this, but I don't have any money. How do I pay for this shit? (laughs) They said, well, we take credit cards. I said, perfect. I have an American Express card. (laughs) (laughs) So I had always worked really, really hard at my credit, even though I never had a lot of money. I always researched how to have a really good credit score. Sure. Um, You know, always paying more than the minimum and never carrying more than a 50% balance. And they just kept raising my limit. This is during the recession, why we got in the spot we were in America, because they gave someone like me a $35,000 limit on the credit card. (laughs) And I maxed that bitch out. (laughs) Right. I just kept doing it. And along the way, going to trade shows and asking questions and in about six seven months you know I, I found a company that made the cardboard boxes and a company that made the the stickers and then somebody who made the makeup um, I started private label which I'm sure you guys probably know what private label yeah. every industry has it mm-hmm. um, that was the cheapest way for me to get into it 
And so, um, like I said, charged $35,000 on the card. And I remember laying in my shitty apartment and thinking, what if I can't pay this credit card bill? You know, I've worked so hard yeah. to get where I'm at now. And the minimum payment was like $2,000 a month. Right. And I didn't even barely make that a month. And I said, you know, I just got to wing it. I got on Facebook and started promoting this little launch party. And 200 people showed up and I sold $10,000 in makeup. This is of like lipsticks, liners, glosses, and a few other things, brushes that I was selling. Right. And for every two a lipstick that I sold, I would purchase two more. So if the first year was all about building my inventory, because I knew. Absolutely, I reinvesting. Gonna, yep, I reinvested yeah. everything. I would buy a lipstick, you know, buy two lipsticks, you know, research ways to grow the company and learn more, whatever I could do to try to differentiate myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and posting about, you know, my before and afters and doing home parties for free. If you got together six of your friends, then I would come teach a lesson for free and then they would buy all my stuff. And so um, I would make $2,000 a month payments towards this credit card, a little more than the minimum every single month. But just, like I said, try to build the inventory. And about eight months later, a store approached me. And so I got into my first store in West Ave. What store was that? That was Cameo, Dr. Ross office. Okay. So I got in there. And then um, soon after, I got uh, contacted by a department store. It's kind of like Tootsie's in Lafayette. So I got in there and I learned, you know, about net 90s and Mm -hmm. something I don't want to do now. (laughs) Well, and that's, you know, a lot of people don't realize when you get into retail, you have to front those products. And if there's a multiple location deal or Mm -hmm. multiple location store, you have to fund all of that. And fill a PO that could be half a million dollars. And that's the part I was, I feel like the first two years I was preparing myself for that. What if Sephora came to me and wanted to sell my stuff? Or what if Neiman's came to me? But what I learned along the way is I I really don't want to work with department stores. Sephora and Ulta, something like that, I would. But I feel like department stores are kind of a dying breed and they're not going to be around forever. So I really don't push to get in there. And it's so competitive. And they have so much turnover depending on what contracts they have in place. And yeah. yeah, it's just super competitive. There's, you know, 30, 40 brands under one roof and yeah. the salespeople are just pushing whoever gives them the best commission or the best right. call spiffs in the retail world. Yeah. Um, I like working with boutiques and I do COD, so I never have to worry about that. It's cash on delivery. As soon as we ship that shit out of our warehouse, I get payment. I don't ship <laughs> yeah. anything unless I have the cash in. Right. You don't have a bunch of dying inventory sitting around collecting yeah, exactly. dust. Yeah. Or, you know, I also sold to a, a chain of casinos and it was kind of the same cool. thing. Then you would think, you know, these people bring in. I don't know how much a casino brings in a day, $100 million a day, something stupid like that. And if my net 90, uh, or if I had terms of net 90, I would get paid on like 180. So I was like waiting, you know, half a year to get payment on stuff that was out of my warehouse. And I didn't have a lot of inventory back then. So that was probably one of my biggest struggles in the beginning. Um, But I didn't pay myself for three and a half years. I, Mm -hmm. you know, just reinvested everything back into the company and did weddings and events to get paid and I think that's why I am where I'm at now and was able to have a good six-figure padding in my account so I never had to worry about a couple of slow months right I feel like a lot of people that start a business you know become the $30,000 millionaires real quick yeah they do and then as soon as they see a dollar in their account they want to flaunt it and I was never like that I I stayed living in the hood <laughs> yeah drove my beat up beamer <laughs> that thing was like on its last leg for a long time because I didn't I didn't want to overspend. To me, it was way more important having that yes. padding and cushioning and a peace of mind that I could pay the bills and right. keep my employees staffed if needed. I sure. mean, so you basically, you self-funded your entire business. Yeah, I didn't have an investor. I did not have an investor. And there was b- several times that, you know, people had reached out to me and said, you know, do you need anybody? And I just, I think one of the main reasons why I never wanted to get an investor, I didn't want to have somebody tell me how to do what, what I knew do. well, how so well. Absolutely. How to do. And yes, I know like certain types of investors could benefit me in certain ways, but straight money and capital, yeah. I, d- I didn't really need it. I just, because I saved everything, I was able to continuously grow my business and grow my inventory. Right. When you talk about growing the business, what were your main marketing tactics back then? What did you do to get the business out there? Facebook and social media. I mean, Facebook, I mean, now more Instagram than Facebook because I feel like people are using Instagram more. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and I, a lot of people that come into my store now are saying, I found you on Instagram, but it used to be all Facebook. Eight years ago, it was all Facebook. Yeah. And it was free. You didn't have to pay to post on a business page. Now you now you do. If you, you want, want visibility, seen, yeah, you, you have If you to. want to be seen, you got to pay for it. And I was, and actually... Uh, I think it was 2017 at the end of the year, my bookkeeper and I sit down and see where I spent my money in marketing and almost all my marketing was paid advertisements on Facebook and it was mm-hmm. like $13,000. And I was like, did I really gain that much from it? So I quit doing it at that point. And what are you, what avenues are you doing now? Is it more Instagram? I don't do, yeah, I don't do any paid advertisement. Um, not that I'm against it. I just don't. Don't necessarily need to. I don't no. really, word of mouth is so good right now. So like, I'm just kind of like 
riding that boat as long as I Absolutely. can and things change that's and the that's best the best advertisement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can cut out a marketing budget and not have that yeah. in your P and L's on a monthly basis. So I looked into influencer marketing. That's something yep. I definitely want to do. I have um, someone, she's a news anchor who uses my stuff. I, I don't pay her. She's on contract. She can't take payment. Um, but she interviewed me for my book and she has like a beauty blog on YouTube and has a lot of followers. And now we're shipping international orders every week. People all over the U S are using my stuff. And she just openly talks about my brand because she likes to use it. Right. And when she talks about a product, she genuinely like, supports boom, it. A hundred yeah. orders on the website. So I know it works just finding the right person to work with. Absolutely. Sure. And the people that I have worked with, I haven't seen any return. So it's like, how do you know if they're fake, if they have fake followers? Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. there's so many of them out there that do. We did a lot of influencer marketing on Instagram mm -hmm. and other social media outlets. And that's what they all do. They all share each other's pages. They all pay to get followers. And you never really know, you know, they'll have a million point five followers and they'll have three likes on a post. But you can pay people to do that, too. I, I, yeah. I, took, I took a class <laughs> you, with somebody because I was curious. I was like, how do you how do people pay for followers? I was honestly curious about it. Yeah. Search it on so Google. I went, I, yeah, I went and met with a guy. That's what he does for a living. And he showed me all the ways to do it. I never actually did it. I considered it many times because I was like, you know, how do I get to 100,000? How did some of these makeup artists have so many followers you know mm -hmm. I know my content wasn't that amazing and I wasn't following the you know making everything match and look good like you yeah. know, 18 year olds can do because I'm old as shit and I don't know how to do all that so he showed me how to do it and there's websites you can just plug in and you can pay for likes you mm -hmm. can pay for followers and you can pay for, pay for content. So, so it can be makeup related and say oh my god I love that lip color and you can have people it can look so real but you know you're not getting any no ROI on investment on that yeah. so f for me I was like you know what maybe this will be better if I give a coupon code, because then I can track it and I can follow what is coming in from that person. Right. And this girl who had so many followers, I gave her the coupon code and like one person bought on my website from it. And so I was like, did they not like the product or are, are these real followers, you know? Right. Because, you know, the other chick, the girl who was a news anchor lady, I mean, she posts about a bronzer and then boom, there's like a hundred orders. Yeah. So. Well, that's what's great about the affiliate programs is that they're all trackable now. Back in the day, they weren't, but now they are. Whether so, it's promo codes or links that you're using. There's actually um, affiliate companies that you can go to and they can tell you, you know, here's, here's our pool of influencers. These 10 in your market are the best for you. Um, and they have the best, you know, ROI and you can track and follow through their system. So I considered doing that, but it's just a, a lot of upfront investment and I haven't actually gotten, it's very confusing and it's hard and you got to reprogram the back end of your website and you got to have them as a middleman and another company. It just gets to be too messy. It's not as easy as it should be. I what type like. of investment were they telling you is going to cost to get up and running? Every company was different. The shitty one was like five grand. Just to get started. Just to get started. Yeah. And then you have to do a certain amount per month. So if you, let's say between the two hands, the $100,000 is exchanged, um, then they take a percent of that too. Sure. So you, they take, I can't remember exactly what the percent was, but I think that they said Around giving 20. up 20% of your sale. And then like, I think they split it with the influencer and then um, like to know what then splits it with them. Yeah. Typically you got to give a 20% discount and then you got to give them another 20%, whether that's directly to an influencer, if you do direct with influencers, mm -hmm. or if you go through the company, there's some type of split with yeah. those companies. The influencer only ends up with about 5%, depending so, on what the company is. And it depends. And I wanted to focus on my cost of goods because I had never done that. I didn't even have a real inventory until three years ago. It was like product in, product out and hope for the best. Yeah. But I was really good at eyeballing it and mm -hmm. forecasting in my head. I just had to get it out of my head if I didn't want to micromanage my business forever. Right. So we got a really good inventory reporting system and I just finalized my cost of goods when I was on maternity leave. So I didn't want to jump the gun and then not have enough profit margin in it. But now I know I do have enough profit margin. It's just the time spent trying to figure all that out makes my head explode. Yeah. Do you I do your like warehousing here locally? Yes. So and it's actually underneath my studio. So a lot okay. of people don't know that when they come into my studio, they think it's one story, but it's actually two story of a basement. So that's cool. And so you do hundred percent of your fulfillment from here. Yep. I do everything. And I know you sell online on your website yep, and I have seen you on uh, marketplaces, Amazon. And are you on some of the others? I don't sell on Amazon. We sold my book on Amazon, but we're actually out of books right now. Okay. So. Do you have resellers or affiliates that sell your products online? No, just me. I do allow my, cause I have 14 retailers that sell my brand. Um, in four states. So I allow them, which is not normal in our industry, like yeah. SkinCeuticals or Obagi or whatever, those brands don't allow you to sell on a website. But to me, I don't really care where they're selling as long as they're selling or they're buying more for me. They just sure. have to sign a contract that they will sell it for the Matt know, price suggested yeah, retail okay. price. So that I don't want them marking it down. And that's the one thing about Amazon too, even with my book. 
um, they would have like flash sales where they would mark it down to where they were only making like a dollar or two off the book. I don't even know how they afforded to do no, shipping. Crazy. You know, yeah. I know they get great deals on shipping, but um, and then that, that starts to kind of compete with me and me selling the book. Absolutely. Online. When we right. sold on Ma- Amazon, it was like you had to be there to somewhat for our industry. You had to be there to have you know a presence, kind of credibility, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, so. But they take such a big commission, not to mention you got to do free shipping if you do it FBA. So did you fulfill those orders or did you sell to Amazon? And they I, I did both. Well, I never sold to them, mm-hmm. but I did FBA where we would send them a couple thousand products mm-hmm. and then they would drop ship it for us. And then, of course, we would have to pay the uh, expense of shipping. So what I did uh, is marked my price up 25% mm-hmm. so that it would basically cover the cost. At the same time, it would also redirect people to come buy from me directly exactly. so at the lower replenish. price point. So and what product was this? Uh, the, these were the supplements that we had for okay. many years. And what we did is the FBA fulfilled by Amazon would always be 5 or $6 higher than fulfilled by us. Mm-hmm. Uh, filled by merchants, what it was called, so that they were more inclined to buy directly from us and we drop ship from the our centers instead of theirs. I don't think I knew that you did supplements. You know, Sean used to own TF supplements. Yeah. Yep, for many years. So, yeah, we just got out of that business. February? Now that's a hard business to be in. Mm-hmm. Very, very competitive. Yeah, it is. And with Amazon, it's putting a lot of these smaller shops out of business because they... It is. It, it's catch twenty two. You have to be on there if you want to get credibility. Uh, but when you are, you kind of have to hoe yourself out, and <sighs> it, it's such a you know. It's all about reviews now, and Amazon's algorithms. You know, they uh, back in the day, as you were saying, buying likes and followers and comments, you could buy Amazon reviews. So there's companies that have been around for you know five years that bought tens of thousands of reviews. Now they don't allow it anymore. That's why they, I don't trust reviews. They I know, catch it I know now. that you can, I can delete anything off my website that I don't like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Re- reviews aren't real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's basically paid influencer marketing right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how many stores are you, are you in here locally and nationwide? Locally, we have two in Friendswood, uh, three in the central Houston area. Uh, we have one in Alabama, one in Austin. We have five in Louisiana, one in Idaho. Did that equal 14? So when you say stores, what kind of store is it? Is it a salon that offers salon. services with these products or what is that? Yeah, so if they're not my store. So there's only one store that's branded under my name. The rest okay. I sell wholesale to, just like Laura Mercier sells to Neiman's and Saks. Right. Um, most of them are salons. Um, some are just straight makeup places like a, a mini Sephora. Um, some are doctor's offices like a dermatologist okay. or an injectable doctor, you know, that right. you know, wants a brand to sell along Absolutely, with that they can get behind and believe in. Exactly. And it's all like clean and organic, and paraben-free. Yeah. The, the skincare is organic and plant-based. So it's, it's good to offer in conjunction with those medical-grade products Correct. because it makes your skin super sensitive when you're on retinol. So then you use mine during right. the day, which is all aloe-based, which calms the heat in your skin. Right. From the packaging and the manufacturing, how involved are you with that in the beginning versus now? In the beginning, it was very, very little. And was that because it was more, you you know, everybody starts white label label to be white label, private label to kind of get started, more cost effective to get it out there. And then as time goes on, you can start developing your own products. Yeah, so without telling too many of my secrets, everybody jumps on the bandwagon like all my ex-employees do when they start throwing makeup lines. But (laughs) (laughs) I started, um, you know, with the private label, like you said, and there's very little I could do because of the minimums, you know what I mean, are so high. Yeah. But as you build your brand and you start, you know, having more proven sales, then you can invest more. So my first really big investment was my brush wash. And it was because I couldn't find anything in private label that was a, a brush cleanser, right? So I went to a trade show, met a guy, said I wanna make a brush wash. He goes, I don't know what the hell that is. I've never made one of those before. Do you have a baseline product for me to work from? So it was the first time that I had created something from scratch. And I think it's a, a misconception that, you know, people think that all these brands make their own makeup. Yeah. Nobody makes their own makeup. Right. Yeah. And when I worked for Laura Mercier and I went to their corporate office, which was over here off of Corporate Drive, over here in Stafford, and it was a, a warehouse facility, mm-hmm. um, like a small, like a like where an electrician would store yeah. stuff. It wasn't like this big manufacturing facility that I was expecting when I got there. Yeah. And I was like, where's the guys in the white lab coats? <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, where's the makeup? I'm so excited to see how it's made. <laughs> I mean, I was expecting like guys with like like beakers and lab yeah. coats, and they, it's not, that's not how it works. Yeah. So, um, you know, makeup companies do contract manufacturing. They go to the makeup, you know, manufacturing mm-hmm. facility, and then you use their chemists typically you tell them what they want you can choose from their library of ingredients and depending on your amount of spin and your minimums mm-hmm. they'll start tweaking it do customer supplied packaging things like that so um like i said the, the brush wash was the first thing that i had done that was big and expensive and it was 
a um, lot of stuff and that he did a favor for me and did 2,500 units. I was about to say, how many units did you have to Yeah, do? it was 2,500 units. So it wasn't too crazy. I could do it. Most of the time it's five, five to 10,000. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so I did that first and, and did they do the packaging for you or did you have so to no, contract I had to that source out? that and yeah. that was hard as hell because the things you learn along the way, I've wasted so much money and time and headaches. Mm -hmm. And you know, Sean always says what makes you different and makes you stand apart is when you come to a roadblock, you have to find a way around right. it. Yeah. When everyone else gets frustrated and you have to dissect it and figure out your way through exactly I all by yourself. I didn't have anyone handholding mm -hmm. me. I had to do it yeah. on my own. And so, you know, the little tips that people could have given me along the way, you know, like the orifice who would have known that there's different sizes of caps that go to every bottle and when you're going right. through a packaging company and you're selecting you know i wanted a molten brown style brush it's called a bell shaped bottle so i bought the wrong lids and they all get there and he's like these aren't the right size lids right so that was a, that slows was a, down everything yeah that was a 22 inch or 24 or whatever the sizes are i'm like motherfucker. so then you got to pay for all that and at this time i didn't have a lot of money you know so yeah. there wasn't a lot of backup every little bit count refreight that back to the company and it, here he's got the stuff mixed up in the barrel. I've had that happen uh, numerous times where I've supplied packaging and they open it up and the BOL, the bill of lading got mixed up or something was the wrong size or whatever. Right. So now I have more understanding why they don't put anything on the schedule until they have your stuff and they open it up and make yeah, sure it's Yeah, it's 100% right. done. So section by section on my makeup line, I started taking things out of private labeling. I mean, to do the whole thing, start to finish, it would be a $5 million project. Sure. So my second big project and my biggest project at the time was um, doing the skincare. So I knew I wanted something that I could use because I have rosacea and very sensitive skin and I wanted something that didn't break me out if I was going to, mm -hmm. you know, sell it to other people. So I did the um, packaging through um, a company out of Dallas and the packaging alone was like fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars $75,000. And then I had to formulate eight products. So you pay formulation fees wow. and you get three chances to get it the way you want it. So they bring it over and you're like, I don't like the smell. I want to tweak it, whatever. The, the viscosity of the product, whatever you don't mm -hmm. like about it. Then after that, then you have to pay to fill all those and you got to meet the minimums. And so they worked with me again. I started finding companies like asking a lot of questions and, you know, trying to befriend these people at the trade shows. And so they did 2,500 piece minimums for me to start just to get me in the door. And now we're doing 5,000 piece minimums. Yeah. So it's a and easier. typically it's five to 10,000 minimum. Yeah. But it was, I mean, you know, from supplements, it's the same exact thing. These places yeah. sometimes also make supplements. Yeah. It's all the it's same. Not same, all, but a very lot similar of time machines. Same. If it's a powder blend, it could be the same machine they mix the supplements in. Yeah. So anywho, long story short, it was a, over a $200,000 project for me at the time. And mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't want to do terms. I didn't want to ever get in the situation where I was stuck paying for something that if it wasn't selling, I, if I didn't have the cash to do it, I didn't do it. So I took the money in my account and I paid for it. And it was hard and it was a huge risk and there's spoilage with makeup, there's spoilage with supplements. Yeah, know? stuff expires. Yeah, and even faster mm -hmm. for supplements than it is makeup. And, and even if it's still good past the expiration date, people still are like, oh, it's expired or this is expiring in two months, I don't wanna buy this. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. That's when Sean did it. Sean used to buy from, what's that uh, company name? I forget the name of it, uh, starts with an E. E? Big distribution center for distributor for um, supplements. I don't know. Forgetting the name of it. Anyway, he would buy stuff on pallets from him that were like a one month from expiration and he would sell it on his website because he'd get it at a great deal and then just do a blowout special because a lot of people right. know that you can still have protein. Yeah, it's so worth it. Yeah. 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 Well, when you get into the custom packaging, which mm -hmm. I know you do, did you find that those quantities go up or that you have to order them internationally? They don't necessarily go up the quantities, the minimums, you have to buy molds. So that's where it starts getting really expensive. Getting and, the, mold made. and sometimes you can share molds. You can use a pre-made mold. And it, it's more about the artwork that you put on top of the, it's or the inside branding. the bottle and how you brand it that makes it look different. Because really think about it. If you go to the shampoo aisle or you go to the face lotion aisle or you go to the cereal box aisle, you know, yeah. all of it looks exactly the same. Right. It's the artwork and the graphics that you put on top. So I didn't want to pay the whatever $20,000 for the skincare mold. So I just used... You know, one of their stock, one. yeah, one of their stock molds, um, and then kind of change it up. And then as soon as I launch my makeup line, someone goes, that sure does look like Nerium. <laughs> I was like, I'd never seen a Nerium bottle. I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> and I had a Nerium bottle that someone had given me. I did a um, gifting suite mm -hmm. at the Emmys in 2013, I think. And someone was giving away Nerium then. So I had one. I was like, I had one of those bottles in my bathroom. I opened it up. I was like, sure enough, it looked just like my shit. And I was like, oh, God. So then people then think you're copying or whatever. Yeah, it's just, but. if you don't understand the industry, I can see why people would think that. Right. Um, but anyway, so the color was just like a, a few Pantone shades off and it's a little bit different size, but it looked exactly the same. 
But, you know, you run into those things along the way or people who copy you and it is what it is. Yeah. You know, if you're not paying to differentiate, then it At happens. the end of the day, it's your branding. Did you have a vision for your branding from the beginning or did it like evolve as you started? It has evolved. Now, what I thought in the beginning I wanted to go with was the tagline makeup with a facelift. Now that I look back, I think it's like so cheesy. But what I teach is showing women how to look more lifted and awake and techniques mm -hmm. of how to put on, how to color match correctly, right. how to make your eyes look like, you know, you have a tight ponytail and or you had a facelift. So all of my products were named after plastic surgery techniques. That's so cool. My lipstick was, or my lip glosses were called lip injections, right? And then yeah. I had this product that I still sell called brow lift. And when you put it under your brow, it makes you look as if you had Botox or brow lift. Right. Um, I've veered away from that, you know, makeup with the facelift tag, but we still teach, you know, kind of the similar techniques of making women look fresh and I awake. That's a great tagline. <laughs> now I look back, it was like that's kind turquoise. of timeless. That's <laughs> it was turquoise and incursive, and I'm like, oh god, what was I thinking? Yeah, but you can see. I mean, you can rebrand it with the same message. Yeah, we know. still, you know, kind of, you know, go in that direction, which is a little different. Now we focus on. This is like a lot of makeup for me because I'm doing this. I dressed up for y'all. But um, <laughs> our our whole motto is less is more, looking very natural, not looking like you tried too hard. Right. And that's something different than what everybody else offers in the market. I feel like everyone's doing the Instagram makeup. Oh my goodness. And we do so you think you, you're, you need 90 minutes to leave the house. It's ridiculous. So that's have, so unrealistic. Yeah. So we have a routine that's three to five minutes and eight steps called cute Perfect. and carpal cute and carpal which i trademark love that so and people still try to steal it someone tried to steal it on the news the other day i messaged that news reporter i was like let me tell you that's trademark <laughs> <laughs> or take that shit off your website that's so. cute and carpal yeah for back to school i feel like a lot of the makeup artists in town don't realize that it's trademarked so i quite often try to say that it's trademarked or it's uh service marked sm um just to kind of be clear don't be stealing my shit that's not yeah. my idea yeah, because that's genius. I had a customer come to me at Neiman's and she had three kids. She's like, I love when you do my makeup for these events, but I'm not doing this shit every day. Show right. me how to look cute and yeah, purple. Yeah, I need realistic. I need every day. Yep. You don't yeah. want to look homeless. I just show you how to dress it up just a little bit yeah. and not look like you tried. Yes. So tell us what's next for the line. What's next? What's coming up soon? I've never really been a good at projecting that type of stuff. I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm just uh, how you say I'm scared I'm going to jinx myself. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So I don't do a whole lot of planning. I don't, you know, with my team, I don't give them goals. You know, mm -hmm. I just give, give them, you know, partial commission and tell everybody just do your job. Right. You know, do exactly what I would do to the client because I've perfected the art of selling without selling. Yeah. You know, we educate. Nobody else does that. When you go to the makeup store, they put makeup on you and they say, what do you want to buy? Yeah. We educate. And I feel like if you just stay true to yourself and what you know, what you believe in, and if I can get everyone on my team to, you know, sell and work with their clients the same way I would, mm -hmm. no one ever feels pressured to buy anything. Right. And when you're educating someone on how to feel equally as beautiful every single day that they feel when they're there with you in their chair, right. they'll want to buy everything. And when their friends notice, they're like, damn, you look good. What'd you do? Some right. Botox? Like, no, I just went to go see Gentry. Right. And I just you did know? a little bit that made me feel better about myself. And then their energy changes and everything changes after that. And it feels so. good when people notice. You yeah. Know? And that's, I think it's not that my makeup is, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. You know right. what I mean? It's, it's really at the end of the day a lot of this stuff is made at the same place as how you market it, it's how you package it it's how you that's a lot of it brand yourself and how you if you educate your clients i always tell my girls that they're not when we're training if the customer is not holding the mirror in their hand i'll say is that customer going to buy that brow pencil you're using on it right now she's right like, i don't know i'm like she's not holding the mirror so i can tell you right now she's not going to buy it right so i just make sure that you know they're educating the entire time that they're working and that makes what was different. like the evolution? Because I'm similar. I started a business kind of on my own. Mm -hmm. And then as you have to add people to your team and you need the business to expand, you don't have a choice but to get team members and um, bring people on. So like, did you have like an evolution of your culture, so to speak? Well, do you mean like as far as like hiring them and what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is that the well, yeah, like when you or? interview someone and they're going to come onto the team, they're going to represent your brand. Oh, and that, okay. So I tell people now, I've learned in the interviewing process, I have to be very clear from the beginning. Yeah. Because I know how I am. I'm hard-headed. I was a know-it-all. I still am a know-it-all, but I was really <laughs> bad in my early 20s. And when I went to work at Bobby Brown, I had come from MAC. I mean, I was doing like drag queen makeup, you know? And then right. I came, went to go work for one of the and most natural makeup natural, lines. Yeah. And so I looked at the test and I'm like, Every motherfucking thing is brown. Yeah. I went to the... Every shade of brown you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> you got light brown, dark brown, sparkly brown, <laughs> uh, chocolate chip color brown. And I brown, was like, brown. I can't, I can't. Is that why she's Bobby called Bobby brown? brown? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the manager. I was like, I can't work here. I'm sorry. You have to put me in Versace. And she's like, Versace's about to like go away. Right. She's like, 
you're not going to have a job. And plus you have to stay for 90 days. You can't just jump to another line. I was yeah. like, oh, hell no. So then I went to the training and I was like, oh my God, it's just stuff I never knew how to do. So they were so big on educating their artists to yeah. relay their brand. And there were some things I didn't agree with. Right. And then at the end of the day, they would say, until your makeup, your name is on this makeup, you have to do exactly. it her way. You're relaying her message. You're yeah. not Bobby Brown. And I was like, well, maybe I should put my name on something, you know? Yeah. So I just took all the favorite things that I learned from all the different brands that I worked for and right. compiled something on my own. And the things that I felt like never made sense, like shimmer and bronzer. Why would you want to add shimmer and highlight in something you're trying to shadow and contour? Right. I was a painter first. And if it doesn't make sense, if I'm painting on a canvas, I don't do it with makeup. Right. And I think people appreciate that. But yeah. when you're looking at numbers, things with shimmer sell better. Right. So all these it's CEOs just, it's don't give shit. I think females Gravitate. in general, you like sparkly things. I mean, they're pretty. So when you're looking at it in the container, it's a com that's why you have to educate them that what's in the container isn't what's going to look best on your face. That's exactly what I tell people. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm not worried about the numbers because I know that if we educate and we tell them why, they'll buy it. Yeah. So, you know, things like that, I, I just kind of, you know, tweaked and made it my own. But I tell people during the interview process, you know, if, if you are going to have a hard time breaking away from what you've always known, like can't teach a dog, old dog, new tricks kind of mm -hmm. thing then this is not gonna work for you. Yeah. Because if you get easily bored and you want the artistry side of it, we're not the place for you. Right. If you wanna educate women and you wanna be a teacher and you wanna make people feel really great about themselves and empower them to do their own makeup every single day, the same way you would, they're gonna buy everything you put on them. Right. So you're really hands-on with everyone on your team because they've gotta understand, the makeup is one thing and then skincare is a completely different beast. So they have to understand the ingredients, mm -hmm. why they're there, what, how they operate on the skin and how they, do what they do yeah we're not like sephora or clinique and i know i know how it was because i worked there you know yeah. or they throw you in there and they go okay just put some pretty lipstick on people right you know there, there's no education there's very little education oh for sure um so yeah we're totally different than that we make them follow one girl had to follow for four months um but she didn't have like gave, shadow mm -hmm, shadow exactly follow and watch because every single skin tone is different every single you know eye color face shape you do different right. things you know you tweak things and you know i'm usually don't give people you know without experience a chance because it just it took me seven years not to suck at doing makeup mm -hmm. and i can't teach somebody in a right. day what it took me seven years absolutely to learn. i was fucking terrible for a really long yeah time. i can't even look at my best friend's wedding photo i'm like please take that off your wall yeah i mean that's how everybody is in any i think in any industry but that's what I'm a real big advocate of you're paying someone for their experience, not necessarily for the service because you can get a service almost anywhere. Mm -hmm. So if someone's paying you for your makeup or your makeup services, it's the experience that there is, is coming along with that. That's so important. And I try to be like inappropriate with my customers and real. And that's how I am on social media too. I say it like it is. I share, you know, where we're at, where, how much yeah. makeup we've sold since I started. Like I, I try to tell them more about the back end than I probably should have and try to tell them what not to do with their makeup, even if I f offend like half of the community. You're very transparent on social. I am. And I love that. And I think that's why it's... it's I think you need to be authentic. <laughs> and I think people love it. And I think that's what people buy my brand is they want me. You know what I mean? Right. Well, you cut the bullshit and you're telling yeah. you're being honest is what you're doing. Yeah. You're not being it's mean. A, it's you're very, being honest. Yeah, it's a very much bull, no bullshit approach. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to follow me if you don't like it. I'm not going to win over every person out there. Exactly. But I think at the end of the day, and that's the hard part for people when they start businesses, especially with social media being what it is now, they can't take the heat for yep. me. And I'm not going to say I'm still human. I still have feelings and emotions. And every, every once in a while, someone will get to me, you know. But at the end of the day, I... I feel like I'm getting better and better each year. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like, like I said, I'm not going to please everybody. My makeup is not for everybody. The natural look is not for everybody. Right. Get the fuck off my page if you don't want to look at it. Right. If you don't like it, I'm sure there's, go follow Mac. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't like me cussing, then go follow Joel Steen. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, <laughs> it is what it is. Professionalism has never been in my vocabulary. Well, and a lot of people try to build their business or their marketing approach to cater to what other people think or what other people are mm -hmm. following or trending or what have you. And I don't do that. People say, well, what's trending on the runway? I'm like, I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to do what looks best on you. Right. Not yeah. exactly. What, Staying authentic. Yeah. I think the is runway what wins is the, the runway. Long -term the customers. Yeah. Not the new vote. The runway is trending and trending is not what. Yeah. And when I used to do runway makeup, I did that for several years. Uh, I don't really do it so much anymore because I don't really get a, a lot of benefit out of it. And they want you to pay to do it instead of getting paid. So um, what we do on the runway, when I do, I made eyelashes out of feathers one year. Like I would oh, never put so that on a cool. client. It would look so cool on the runway. It looked like I'm going to use black that on one. Halloween. <laughs> it was it was beautiful. <laughs> I just uh, had just a regular pair of eyelashes. I glued all white feathers on top, oh and when God, they were going amazing. down the runway, it was absolutely amazing. But I would never do that. I use um, you know black for this like goth heroin chic mm -hmm. kind of you know designer. One year we used eyeliner over the entire lip and they had black lips and it looked amazing yeah but um 
you just, that doesn't translate into real life. Of course not. You know, I guess it inspires people, but I just get inspired by what I think looks pretty. Right. But that does showcase that you do have experience in all over, all over the place in the industry. And yeah, I really have done a little bit of, of everything. And I just, and that you're an artist works, at yeah. heart. So, which makes you naturally good at what you're doing. First of all, mad props to you <laughs> that you made it this far and didn't sell out. Um, I was just talking to my one of my sisters. She's real big into organic stuff and all of those companies that start out with a really clear vision and goal in mind because they they're wanting to make something quality because they they want to help people and and give quality stuff to their clients or consumers. And then the next thing you know is you hear that they've sold, yeah. and everything's changed. So I have to say that I never would for the right price. Everyone has their number. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to me, it wasn't about the money. You know, to me, money's never been my driving factor. Yes, I like seeing the numbers. Yeah. But you get to the point where you're kind of numb to the numbers. Right. You know, we just sold $150,000 in three days for our, you know, 20% off annual sale. And to me, I'm like, okay, great. What are we going to do next? Like, right. The numbers don't affect me like they did in the very, very right. beginning, you know? Right. Um, getting new stores is, is different yeah. for me. Or, or yeah. getting, you know, on a podcast or a TV show yeah. or something to show that people know that I'm the real the deal involvement you know of the I mean? business is what really matters. Cause I think that means when you're doing it for the right reasons, when money isn't the ultimate goal. So you have to have the money to, to sustain the, brand. of course, I, I of course that, but it's not my number one right. motivation. Right. Which it kind of sounds like bullshit to somebody probably listening in. No, not at all. True. I, I well, really believe in what I do. When well, you I think love more your... in the beginning stages, you, you have to survive. But as time goes on, you get to enjoy the reason why you got into Absolutely. the business. What really makes me excited and kind of like at that pitter patter is when someone goes, you ain't gonna believe this. I was in New York and I saw a girl putting on your lipstick. Or, oh my God. You know, recently I went to a ah, restaurant. That and gives was, me chills. There was a girl like in the bathroom and, and so I, you know, looking in there, I have no makeup on. It was right after the baby. It was one of our first date nights out. I look like... Be, yeah. I look like a battered wife right. is what I, I understand. Like. <laughs> I'm looking in the mirror and I'm looking over next to this lady and she's putting on her lipstick in the <gasps> mirror and I'm like look at her she's taking the effort and look at me is what I was really thinking I wasn't even looking at what she but was but it was thinking. one of your products and she looked over at me and she goes is it weird that I'm putting on your makeup right no. next to you and it's like little moments like that that's what yeah. I really love and enjoy yeah the or, universe is giving you those little yeah. boosts of yeah yeah or when someone awesome. says you know they were out of town or not even in the Houston area and they're like your brain really is blowing up. I saw a girl on the plane yeah, putting on your makeup so or, or cool. whatever. Like that feels really, really good to me. I really feel like all of the hard times were right. worth it. And that's one thing as that I wanted to ask kind of not just from female f- to female, but um, from entrepreneur to entrepreneur, I know from everything I've done over the years, regardless of what it is that your business consists of, mm-hmm. when you own your own business and you're getting started, there's... I mean, just from hearing what you've told us so far, I know that throughout that entire timeline, there were there were pieces of your life in there somewhere that you had to have been like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, is this going to work? Like, did you ever get scared ever? Um, I remember when I first started, I started to kind of touch on this earlier when I was in that apartment, that shitty apartment, and I had $35,000 on my credit card. I remember laying in bed and like, I got to start taking sleeping pills. I couldn't sleep. Yeah. I was so nervous. I wasn't going to be able to pay back right. that loan. So I think that was the first like anxious, anxiety ridden type feelings that I would have would be at night. Everything would start circling through my mm-hmm. hand, head, like what if, what if, but I really just kept saying to myself, you know, if I could make, you know, $2 million a year at Laura Mercy, if I could, if I could guide my team in selling that much and makeup, right. why can't I do that for myself? Right. I can do the same things, but tweak it and make it better. So it has to work right. if I put as much effort into it as I did working for the other brands. Um, and then along the way, it was, you know, trying to get out of private labeling. It was such a struggle for me and, you know, um, trying to make that jump and that risk. As we all know, it's about taking risks, but making that risk that could make or break me. Right. Spending $200,000 yeah. on a skincare brand that maybe nobody would like. Right. You know, and, or learning that the viscosity of my undressed lotion doesn't work <laughs> in a pump bottle. And nobody knew that until I got 2,500 right. pieces in and had to throw it away because it wouldn't wow. pump through the bottle. Oh my God. So it's things like that, that, I'm, you know, really brings you down. And especially when you don't have a lot to bounce back on, like now right. I'm more comfortable. Something doesn't work out. I just move on to the next thing. But back then it was like yeah. all in. You can't just scrap it because that means you're losing all of that money or 
But it's so funny how uh, as soon as I sold it for $3.99, nobody gave a shit they didn't pump anymore. <laughs> as soon as you put it on sale, they're like, I'll take 10. <laughs> like, weren't you the same bitch that was just complaining about how you're never going to buy my shit again? <laughs> Whatever. Um, and then also you have difficult clients. It's hard to deal with that, you know, and people online, the haters are going to hate. You right. know, you have people saying, why are you doing your eyebrows like that? That's 1990s. That's so stupid. That's so old school. Well, I'm an old bitch. That's how I do it. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> So it's, it's stuff like that. Now I have a different attitude towards it, but it used to really, really hurt my feelings yeah. when people would like make a personal jab at me or yeah. the lady who said something about my bottle looking like Miriam and where do you copy it? And I'm like, no, I'm not fucking copying it, but right. you don't understand private labels. So I understand why you think that, you know? Yeah. I mean, you really, truly, when you start a business, you have to do what you believe in and have faith in yourself and not give a shit what anybody else You have needs. to have blinders on and you get, don't you feel like you get a lot more tough? Like when you think to who you uh, were, and I don't absolutely. know how long you've been an entrepreneur, but you think of who you were five years ago and who you were 10 years ago. I'm a completely I was a completely different pushover. Person. Yeah. I was a total pushover. I 100% agree. I, I really <laughs> did worry about what other people yeah. thought about the way I looked or whatever. Yeah. Now, I don't give two shits. Right. You know, I got my well, spanks on. And you know so what you need anybody, to keep but. your business running because yeah. without the business in place and the numbers in place, you don't have the company and you won't be able to supply the product to anybody. So it's a big, huge cycle and you're responsible for all of it. But I do oh. think, you know, having Sean in my life was, you know, he has zero emotion when it comes to business. Like, he's just emotional. And you guys have been it. together since the very beginning? 11 years we've been together off and on. Okay. Um, when I first started the line, we were not together. But he did always inspire me to do something. So when I was working right. for Neiman's, he would say, why don't you start your own line? And I was like, it's too expensive. And then one day when I was at work, uh, he had called all the... Any makeup brand that he could think of, he Googled it and called. He's like, it was the same 1-800 number. That's I called awesome. it like 10 times because Estee Lauder apparently owns everything. Correct. Because he was trying to get me to start a website where yeah, I sold different brands. options. Yeah. yeah. And I, you can't do that. You have to have like a brick and mortar and there's more to right. it than that. So he did learn. He's like, okay, well, you're right. You can't do that. You know, but he's like, you need to have something that you sell that's a replenishment item that people keep coming back for that you can sell online. Right. A residual income. Yeah, he goes, you can't, you know, like Kirby vacuums, you, you have to sell the vacuum bags that go right. with it. You know what I mean? Right. Otherwise, your your brand can't sustain right. itself if it's a one-time buy. Yeah. And it has to be something that you're obsessed with that you could do 40, 50, 60, 80 hours right. a week and never get tired of. Right. And he's like, and that's makeup for you. I truly yeah. enjoy the makeup. Well, like a ba- your base highlighter that you use 365 days a year, sometimes twice a day, mm-hmm. that's something that if you make it right, people are going to buy over and over and over again for the rest of their life mm-hmm. versus a purple glittery eyeshadow that you use once a year for a New Year's Eve. That's not like... And that's how I train my girls too. So it's more about the selling techniques. So if a customer only has $100 to spend, right? Right. Are you going to sell her an eyeshadow? the purple glittery eyeshadow that you used right. on her? Or are you going to sell her the foundation? Right. You always push for products that are replenishment items. Yeah. Right? So that's foundation, concealer, powder, bronzer, and skincare. Right. right? Because they'll keep coming back every when 90 you days. Fi- I don't care who you are, how old you are. When you find the one that works, mm-hmm. you will... <laughs> I mean, how many times I still remember my mom, there's a lip gloss she used forever and um, they quit making it and it was like the end of the world. (laughs) Well, I've heard you have an end of the world moment a couple of times when they'd quit carrying something that you'd use or you couldn't find it Or they changed the formula. And that's also like the biggest frustration I feel like with customers and cosmetic companies. But again, you have to realize if it's a color that they can't sell enough of to, you know, fulfill a 5,000 piece minimum without having spoilage. Right. That's why, or sometimes they're having to cut their losses and get rid of it and not do it again. And sometimes it's a raw ingredient. Like if, you know, I can't find, sometimes it's hard to get raw ingredients. So mango butter, organic mango butter is impossible to find. I don't know why that's a hard ingredient, but I really wanted it in my skincare. If at any time they quit making mango butter or in the organic form, mm-hmm. then I have to change my formula. So sometimes mm-hmm. things change. Sometimes right. manufacturers and it's out of your control. Yeah. Right. When I first went with my skincare company, they said the guy down the road had just gone out of business and they were, you know, taking on more of their clients. So what do you do? Like it happened to Bobby Brown. I was like, why would you discontinue my favorite oil-free compact foundation? Right. And they said, well, the place went out of business. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Don't you make this yourself? Right. And I didn't understand. And so I understand from a client's perspective, it's annoying, you know, when you yeah. find your favorite something, but if it's a color that's just not trending anymore and people aren't buying it you have to make a choice and let it go right sometimes i have zero control over it right. private label stuff i have zero control over if they quit making it that's it yeah. I either make five thousand of them and do contract manufacturing or it goes away right you know but i also get better at doing things and also realize that you know sometimes that they found a better way or better ingredients or taking the right. parabens out and they had I, ha- I used to have parabens in my makeup so i had to adjust things and tweak things to get the whole line paraben free right and that meant reformulating 
So going back to navigating through starting a business while you're in a relationship, mm-hmm. how important do you think it is that your partner is 100% supportive? Like, I mean, well, didn't you go days, sometimes days or weeks without spending an evening together or? Well, that's why we work together because he's an entrepreneur. He's a serial okay. entrepreneur. Okay. So he owns like I know businesses. About that. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a lot like yeah. Sean. Um, but he has his hands in everything, that, anything that makes money. So it's anything from like renting luxury cars to, you know, supplements awesome. to, you know, commercial real estate, residential real estate. Now I just bought an oil company. So he's in a little bit of everything. Um, but he's really good at, at honing in on certain things and tweaking things mm-hmm. to, to make them profitable. And watching him do it, and I'm like, dude, I'm smarter than you. If you can do it, I can do Hell it. Oh, yeah. You know? I love that. <laughs> so that's what inspired. <laughs> it sounds just like me. So that's what inspired me to be what I am now is I never had the confidence before. Mm-hmm. I always felt like if it didn't work, it would be the end of the world. See, for him, if something doesn't work, and he does have things that don't work. So he's, he has something game. to fall back on. At one time during 2014, he bought five properties and built or remodeled $2 million homes. He had $10 million worth of homes sitting there and it, right. they were not selling. Sometimes in a good market, it'll flip in a week. Sometimes it takes a year, right. you know, and he never really gets down. He's just a little frustrating, but he moved into one each at a time right. and staged it. The mentality is just, it's everything. When you're, when you're starting a business, you have to keep your eye on the prize. Yep. Cause like, I always feel like you might have a bad hour or a bad day or a bad minute. Mm-hmm. And if you can like get yourself out of that real quick, and get over it and move on. I think those are the ones that survive. You can't have emotion in it. You got to realize shit happens, and just right. like, just like I said Don't earlier, take it personal. find a way around the roadblock because everyone else is giving up and you're not, and that's what Correct. makes you successful. It's not that you're better than the next right. guy. Right, you're the and one that didn't give up. Yep, you're the one that didn't give up, and you're the one that just you know encouraged yourself to keep going even when times got hard, or someone was mm-hmm. an asshole, or a customer wasn't happy. Right, or, shake or, it off, or whatever. You just have to shake it off. And you well, shake you off. definitely have that energy about you. <laughs> I love it. It's contagious. Oh, well, so, good. I like to hear that's that. wonderful. I like to inspire other people to do it because I know that, you know, a lot of people are there now or they're wanting to make the plunge. They want to leave their job. They're really good at what they do, but they're scared about not having money. Right. You can eat ramen noodles. Yeah. You can absolutely. live at the shitty apartment and come home and yeah. have rats and cars on blocks. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, you can drive right. that old that, beat that's car. That's temporary. That, it's all temporary. And, you know, now I realize that I don't really need a ton of money to be happy. And, you know, now the business is doing good. I can, as long as I have right. a, a place that I can come home to that I enjoy. We just bought a new house. As long as I have a nice house and a car that I enjoy driving, I've always been into cars. So as long yeah, as I have those two this things, one over here. I don't have to have. Any. I can be sleeping on the side of the road as long as my car is nice. Yeah, that's me too. <laughs> like, I was like, what am I going to put the baby in? I cannot be driving no minivan, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I bought a car that is not kid friendly. So the car seat like barely yeah, back. I'm that's like, I'm going to just push it with your foot in there. Get it yeah. In there. <laughs> so then really the next phase of your life is now you get to figure out how to navigate through the business with uh new little one at home well we have about 13 to 15 people that work in our building probably a little bit more now i haven't counted in a while and there was like five of us pregnant wow at the same time so what i know you said you have a nanny but do you ever bring the baby up there so i was before i got the nanny so i had him on june 6th okay and i'm not the breastfeeding stay at home do the laundry you know clean the house i'm not that's not me i can't if i I, and it's for some women they really enjoy that that being a mother and there's nothing wrong with that it doesn't come natural for me (laughs) i thought it would everyone said it's gonna be the best day of your whole life you're gonna Mm. love that little fucker Mm. so much that's not how it didn't come that way to me it definitely took time and this is what I, i i was hesitant to post about it on social media but I did I said listen Girl, there are so me, many people that feel the same way as you I, but I was same like way. I'm excited to get back to work you know I'm I really like, vocal about that so yeah. well I, I, I finally opened up about it and I had like over you know I don't know a thousand comments on yeah. people saying thank you for sharing because right. I thought I was the only right. one and you need to focus on those comments and not the thousand of people that are it really only takes one asshole to ruin your fucking day yeah it really you does. just can't look but you have to focus on the people that they they got support from what you said. Yeah, you know? I, I benefited so many more people than I probably pissed people right. off. And I know those judgy people right. that are probably like, what a bitch. I didn't feel like that. Well, go fuck yourself. I did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I'm just being real with you. Will no, you I'm the doing? same way. I mean, I love my kids to death. I have four, obviously. And they're, they are my life and everything revolves around them. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I, ha- I find... Do something for you. I find zero satisfaction in cleaning the house. I want... I love using my brain. I love running a team and, and a you business crave that. and making money. Yes. And that's what I look like. My assistant and I joke around. She sends me gifts about like with nerds in them and stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm actually so excited about what we need to work on today on the business. Mm-hmm. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to and I want to. Mm-hmm. And I love my kids too, but the 1950s era of when a woman was supposed to be satisfied with all of that is 
so like gone was, now. <laughs> I was thinking about that uh, yesterday. Actually, I was um, headed to the gym with my friend's twelve-year-old, and she was. Um, we're coming back, and she was like, "So we want to live in Louisiana, and they want to move to Houston." So she's like, "We're trying to find a house with um, a two-car, or a two-lane uh, driveway, mm-hmm. but where you live, they're all they're all one lane." And so I'm giving her a history lesson. Yeah, my house was built in 1930 in that right. part of town. Like the women, of course, back right. then didn't work, right? Right. If they even had a car, there was only one car per household. Right. The women literally stayed at home all day yeah. long with the baby. You didn't leave. And yeah. if it was hot, you, I mean, you couldn't walk to the store. Right. You were really confined to your home the entire yeah. day. And she's just like, huh, what? Yeah. I mean, she just, that was a whole other world for her. I love you it. Know? And so I told her, I was like, they didn't need more than, you know, a one car or, yeah. or one, it's two car garage, but one car driveway. And um, she was just kind of like, so they just stayed at home all day long and never left. And I said, yep. yeah, you were, you were the caretaker, yep. the child, and you didn't work and you, you cared for the home. And again, just like you said, I don't get satisfaction out of that. No. You know, I, and there's I do, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I do love my baby. I feel like when I say that, I just sound like a cold hearted bitch. It doesn't mean do you don't love, love your child. I, you know, holding my baby, yeah. you know, like feeding my baby and I love my baby. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like I crave creation. Yes. And, um, and just cause you give birth to a child doesn't mean that you have to stop that. Exactly. So. And that's how I feel too. So yeah, I'm, that's same awesome. Person, nice. Same person. Yeah. <laughs> what would be the number one advice that you'd give somebody trying to get into this industry? Going back to experience. Um, there have been people, even customers of mine that wanted to start their own makeup line. You know, I feel like you have to, if you haven't been there and been behind the scenes to really understand what it's all about and the shuffle that it takes to get to where I've gotten so far, I think it's good to um, go work for somebody else and kind of learn mm-hmm. from them. Uh, maybe getting a job on the retail side and then maybe getting a job behind the scenes. I didn't think I was going to end up being a logistics manager, but that's yeah. exactly what I am. I'm working with truck drivers all day, trying to you know get my stuff from point A to point B, mm-hmm. packaging. Um, it takes about five companies to make each product, so I only have like three brain cells left. <laughs> I had to put spray on hair to hide all the grays that I got <laughs> doing all this. I hear you. But um, it's a lot harder than people think. People say, oh, your job is so fun. And yeah, doing makeup is fun, but I worked you know, 15, yeah. 20 hours a day and traveled one city to the next for a no long time off. out of the trunk of my car mm-hmm. with no days off. I still don't really take a whole lot of days off now that I have the baby. I'm trying to take more um, because, you know, that's what life's all about. And I feel like I can't work forever. I'll have nothing to show for it at the end when I'm, yeah. you know, in the nursing home and someone's changing my diapers. Um, you know, I want to be there for my family and my kids and enjoy what I work so hard for. But I've sure. also built a really good team that I trust that can help me take care of it. So I'm not right. doing everything myself. That's right. amazing. But I don't think I would be where I'm at now, you know, if I didn't. Right. You know, I agree. Do it all myself and micromanage in the very beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now I can be really good at training my team. And I'm like, hey, listen, I've made every mistake out there. Here's my mistakes. Don't do it this way because this is what's going to happen. You know. For sure. Well, tell everybody where they can find Gentry Kelly Cosmetics. Our website, so it's hard to spell. So it's J E N T R Y K E L L E Y. Um, you can search me on YouTube to find some of my YouTube videos, makeup how tos. Um, hopefully, the Hooker to Looker book will be in stock soon. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we have a place off of Hazard and 59 by the Audi car dealership. Yep. That's my home store. And we'll put all your information in the yeah. in the description below. Yep. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been absolutely a pleasure having you here, and we hope to see you again soon in the future. Okay, sure will. Awesome. Thank you.